Hello and welcome to Truer Love Stories, a podcast dedicated to real people wanting to create real love. I'm your host, Taryn Newton-Gill. In each episode, we'll explore the stories of people who are at a crossroads in their love life. I'll help our guests navigate their personal love story by providing them with holistic ways of writing a new, more empowered narrative around love, one that's truly aligned with who they are and what they want. Welcome to this month's episode of Truer Love Stories. Oh gosh, this episode really hits home for me because it's all about breaking the pattern of dating unavailable people, which was a hundred bazillion percent my pattern up until I met my husband. It's why I even do this work to begin with. Now, for those of you that aren't familiar, we talk about attachment a lot on this podcast, and that is simply the scientific study of how humans bond in relationships, especially intimate relationships, like with a parent and child or with lovers. So our attachment style is the way in which we bond, and often we learn that from our primary caregivers in childhood, at least initially. Now, secure people, you may have found yourselves at one point or another in a relationship with someone who is unavailable, AKA avoidantly attached. And if that's the case, this episode is absolutely for you too. However, today's episode really zeroes in on the common and maddening dynamic between an anxious and an avoidantly attached person. And the reason it's so fascinating and also infuriating is that anxious and avoidant people actually attract each other. And in doing that, they create a loop of triggering and re-triggering each other, which makes being in the relationship feel intoxicating and totally maddening all at the same time. Well, our guest today knows this experience well, and through her story, we're going to break down why breaking this pattern really all comes down to self-worth. Let's listen to her story. Okay, well, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. How you doing? I'm doing great. Awesome. So... You were inspired to be coached by me on this podcast because you're in your 40s and you've had a handful of significant dating experiences, but you feel like you have trouble really listening to your intuition when you know someone's not right for you or not what you're looking for. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Uh, Yeah. And can you expand on that a little bit for me? (laughs) Um, So... You know, up until just a few years ago, it was really, I just kept falling for emotionally unavailable men. And, you know, at the time, that's kind of just what I think was in my DNA of like what I thought I was worthy of. And, and so now doing all this work on myself and finding worth in myself, as I attempt to date again, it's more, you know, seeing the red flags of like a guy who's not available and listening when he says I'm not available and then still being able to step back and say, okay, he can't give you what you want right now. That's okay. Let's just hold off. And um, yeah, that's, that's the hard part because, you know, sometimes I don't think something better is going to come along and Mm -hmm. I just want to get a taste of the candy right now in my life. 
Yeah. So do you find yourself kind of meeting people and then justifying why they might be available, even though they initially seem unavailable? Um, it's more like, you know, when I pull on past experiences of a guy who has shown they aren't available, but I know that we have a great connection. It's more me sitting here going, when are they going to figure it out? When are they going to realize what a great connection we do have mm -hmm. before, you know, they miss their opportunity. So it's more me kind of holding my breath, like listening to them, like, oh, they say they're not available, but soon, soon they'll realize, you know, what a great mm -hmm. thing we together. Yeah, totally. And do you find that you are proactive or do anything to try and convince them or like, you know, kind of convince them of your worth or what they'll be missing out on? Um, I think in the past I was too available. And so even though they were showing me they weren't available, I let myself be available in the sense of just like hooking up because I just wanted whatever time I could get with them. Mm -hmm. And so now I've learned to set those boundaries of like, you know, this is all he's wanting and I'm wanting more than that. And he's telling me he can't give me more than that to actually cut it off and not let it just be physical knowing that I'm wanting something more. And that's been the hardest part for me. Yeah. And do you still in new relationships find yourself being physical early on? Um, definitely not sex, but yeah, I mean, it definitely gets physical, you know, by the second or third date, if I definitely feel a connection with them, mm -hmm. um, which is something that I've wanted to, you know, tailor back. And at the same time, part of me is like, well, you know, it seems like it'd be fun. I have a connection with this person. Let's, you know, let's have a nice little makeout session. And yet there's that voice in the back of my mind that's like, you know, make them work for it. You know, like they like when there's a little bit of a challenge. So it's been, it's been an uphill battle for me of like learning that there is actually rhyme and reason to the game as much as I've hated wanting to play the game. I remember you mentioning playing the game on the pre-call. And so that's something I want to come back to. And so I want to say, first of all, what I'm going to backtrack to is the fact that you took my attachment quiz and you found that you were anxiously attached. And you said that it resonated with you kind of the key points of, you know, being an anxious person are not feeling truly safe in a relationship. That's kind of the main thing, being preoccupied with the relationship. And so you feel like those qualities resonate with you. Definitely. Yeah, I didn't feel, I didn't have the trust that, they, that I had them or that they wouldn't leave me for someone else. Right, right which is totally classic anxious core wounds, um, which are also centered around self-worth. And you've mentioned a few times that you've really had to work on your self-worth over the years. And so just to break it down a little more for you and our listeners to understand kind of just the context of where this comes from and how it's developed, you had mentioned on our pre-call that your father was kind of emotionally unavailable. Is that right? And that he had what you called a wandering eye you learned later in life, right? Well, I, I saw the wandering eye growing up. It was more that I then in later in life found out that he had had more than one infidelity, which, you know, was always looming in the back of my mind. It wasn't until I actually had the courage to ask to get the confirmation. Yeah. And so first of all, the emotional unavailability piece, 
So an anxious attachment is formed when we have at least one parent who's emotionally unavailable or inconsistent, which you can already see the link to being attracted to unavailable men, right? And so that's one piece of it. Then on top of that, the way that we learn what healthy love looks like is we look to models that we have. And so if in the model you had, where's this glaring trust issue, again, which I know you can probably already trace back for yourself, you know, where the trust comes in. So it's like layer upon layer already of, you know, why you wouldn't trust someone. Or I remember on the pre-call you said, you don't always believe someone's genuine, right? Uh, which makes complete sense. So going back to this idea of this, what they call it an attachment is a core wound. So the core wounds of an anxious person are because they are waiting. And I should say we, because I too am anxious. So when we're constantly waiting for the unavailable parent to become available, essentially, because most of the time anxious attachments do have some security in their parents maybe from your mom or something like that. So we know what it feels like to be close. And so we're always wanting that from that parent who sometimes provides it and sometimes doesn't. So we're always kind of waiting for them to show it. And so there's kind of this overcompensating that happens or this waiting, trying to prove ourselves or you know, this constant fear that someone's gonna leave or abandon us. And that leads into that feeling of low self-worth because we feel like we're not worthy of them being available. Does that all make sense? 100%, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's fascinating. Uh, and so in that, what ends up happening is just naturally people, again, get attracted to what they know and what they see and what they're comfortable with. Humans like what's comfortable. And it just so happens that avoidant people who are the emotionally unavailable people tend to be attracted to anxious people and vice versa, because I know it's like so annoying, um, <laughs> because anxious people are actually our superpower is that because we've always been paying attention to that inconsistent parent's needs, we're very in tune with other people and we can anticipate their needs. Uh, and so it's kind of a superpower of ours, actually. And because of that, we're very warm, generally. We're very welcoming. And so for avoidant people who don't have their own emotional warmth or grounding, they are attracted to us. And we like sharing the love and giving it. We're used to it. So it makes this really nice, special little fit, you know. And... Of course, that's awesome for a while. And that's where that like strong connection you feel sometimes comes from, you know, that chemistry, that there's something real going on there, right? But what ends up happening is that they also trigger each other really easily because what calms the attachment system. So our attachment system is our hormones. It's like the biological piece that makes us like biologically want to be close to and connect with other people. So when people, even everything physical, like kissing, hugging, missing someone, all of that is related to our attachment system. And it's actually a survival mechanism built into all of us. So anxious people, when we get triggered or dysregulated, when we feel like there's a threat to a relationship, we become anxious, our attachment system flares up. And that's when we kind of are not thinking clearly and can be motivated by our, our worry. You know, you know what state I'm talking about kind of when you're like preoccupied with the person or the relationship and what's going on with it, right? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. And so that can take the form of like wondering when they're going to call or respond or all those things. Right. So what calms that is reassurance. So we kind of almost need the validation of the other person that they're not leaving to feel better. The other thing is we can soothe ourselves, but we actually didn't learn how to do that. We were kind of shaped to look to other people for, for validation. And so what happens is the avoidant person gets emotionally overwhelmed okay. because they don't feel safe being vulnerable. They actually sometimes don't even let themselves feel their full feelings inside themselves to even know what they are. You know, I actually for so long thought avoidant people knew how they felt and just didn't want to share it or be close. But I've learned since after coaching avoidant people that they actually often might describe their feelings as numb because they don't even know what they're feeling to be able to speak about it to us. It's very interesting. And so they get very emotionally overwhelmed easily. And so when we're kind of bonding and becoming close, which is totally healthy, it can kind of scare them. And then that's why we end up getting triggered because then they pull back and that inconsistency triggers us. And then what we need to feel better is their reassurance. And so we go kind of trying to seek their reassurance and being like, are you still there? Are you interested? Do you want to hang out? Da, 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 da. And in that process, that kind of ends up pushing them away a little more. We get re-triggered and it becomes this like crazy cycle of feeling like you're being gaslighted. <laughs> um, and so the point of all that and leading back to this idea of the game, right? And like the dating game, I really want, like the first thing I would say is to reframe that as, it's not that the game is necessary. What's necessary is that you feel safe or comfortable, right? And so what it really is, is about you getting that reassurance and so that you can assess if you think they are emotionally available or not, AKA avoidant or secure. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. I think in regards to the game, it was more that in the past, I was, for lack of a better word, too available. And so I didn't leave, you know, cause I've had exes tell me like, you never left room for me to want to see you because I'd be like, you know, if I want to hang out, I'm just going to text them right now and see if they want to hang out. So I was always doing the initiating. Um, and so in that sense, like I never left room for them to like want to miss me because I was just always like, I'm free. Do you want to hang out? Um, right. So seeing the, the need in that of just like the chase and you know, how it's healthy. Um, yes. So yes and no. Yeah, no, it's not fully wrong, but it's, um, there's more to it, I guess, or like another way of thinking of it, I guess, is what I'm kind of going back to. So yes, in that, the words that there that you're talking about, kind of the chase and giving them room. So that is what I mean by like, okay, well, first of all, it really depends their attachment style within that game. Because if they're avoidant, they're going to need the chase more. And, and if they have the chase, it doesn't mean they're going to stay. So that's like one myth, right? Like we think if we give them room to chase us, then they'll finally want us. But then you're kind of, it's like, when does the chase end? 
And the thing is with avoidant people, it doesn't. It's constantly there because once they have you, they might feel overwhelmed or they might be noncommittal or all these different things, right? So the space is important, but it's important because the more space you have that allows them to reassure you they're interested, the more confident you're going to feel. Does that make sense? Yes. And, and yeah, sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say the safety part, like it's probably because I didn't feel safe because I was fearful that they were gonna eventually leave. And so I was working on them because I wasn't feeling safe. And that's the next part I was gonna lead back to is that, so it's never wrong to initiate. Actually initiating is a great way to discern where they're at. Because if we initiate and then they're all avoided and weird, that's information for us that they're being avoided and weird. A secure person won't mind you initiating. An anxious person wouldn't even mind you initiating. They actually like that. And, you know, there is something to be said again about letting there be space for them to come to you because yes, everyone wants to feel a little bit of that mystery. So it's not wrong altogether, but I just want you to kind of start getting it out of your head that initiating is a bad thing. Initiating is fine so long as you're doing it from the place of, I genuinely want to see this person and I'd like to see if they want to see me too. But it's when we come at it from this feeling of I'm feeling anxious and I need to make sure that they're still into me and I'm going to ignore my anxiety and just try to see them anyway, that it becomes like extra anxiety, right? Like what you were just talking about. Yeah. So like when you initiate, like the whole thing with understanding where someone's at is like, basically trying to reframe everything where it's not personal, but you're kind of like the scientist and you're observing who they are. Because especially as anxious attachments, a lot of the time we approach things as, are they into me? And we're constantly looking for signs that they're into us to prove to ourselves that we're worthy of them, right? And so it's like flipping that in your head where you're looking for signs, but you're looking for signs that emotionally available so that you can approve of them and that they are worthy of your trust. And so that's all melding together and making sense. 100%. Okay, cool. And so the next piece of all of this is the consistency piece. So going back to what we were talking about with the inconsistent parent, right? That inconsistency is triggering, right? Because then it brings up all that, do they like me? Do they not? Are they there? Are they not? And it can take us down a rabbit hole. So the whole thing is getting to know someone slowly so that you can start to see their patterns emerge and how they treat you. And the whole thing about having sex really quickly is that it kind of skips that piece of getting to know who they are in that way. And it's what Brene Brown calls hot wiring intimacy. Um, And she doesn't use it specifically in the form of sex, but she does talk about how there are things that you can do that just make intimacy happen really fast. And sex is one of them. Spending time at each other's houses, making dinner together, going on vacation, all of that stuff when you do it really early makes you feel close to someone A, because we all have hormones, like I'm sure you're familiar with oxytocin, you know, that just bonds us to people and makes us feel close to them, even if we're just in their proximity, hanging out with them, hugging them, even if there's no sex involved. 
Now, anxious attachments, because we attach quickly and because we become preoccupied with it, it's like we get even extra attached when we're in these intimate situations. And when that happens, it starts to kind of blur our vision of who the person is because we're preoccupied with the idea of them liking us and them reciprocating and where it's going to go. And so in that, it's almost like that's when the fantasy starts, you know, and the projection of like, oh, we're having a nice dinner together. I wonder if this person will be my boyfriend. This would be nice. You know, like, am I going to have kids with this person? What kind of dad would they make? Like, it's like we can go so quickly down that path because we can start envisioning our future together, kind of imagining, can they be in it? And that's all great, but like, it's so much nicer when it actually happens you know, and when you're in a relationship where the person is reciprocating, you almost don't do that as much because it's happening before your eyes. You know what I mean? By and large, like you're so into the present moment with the person when it's good that you don't even have to think about the fantasy. You don't need, you don't want to as much. And so going back to the idea of hot wiring intimacy, the whole point of going slow is so that you can kind of make the intimacy build over time so that you are kind of assessing in this kind of dating period. I remember you said in our last call that like there was really no dating when you were younger, right? Yeah. I mean, one, I just had no self-worth and didn't think I was attractive. And so basically just kind of, you know, whatever guy I thought maybe liked me, I'd be like, oh, well, he likes me. So maybe I should, you know, like hang out with him for a little bit. Um, Or it was the insecurity of, you know, like then potentially chasing someone who wasn't available. And so it was just this self-fulfilling prophecy of like, mm-hmm. well, it's not going to work out. So I'm not going to get hurt. So I might as well at least have fun for a little bit. And guess what? I always got hurt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. And I was just super closed off to the world. I, you know, I did everything I could to be invisible. And, you know, I think, you know, early on, I just got you know, unwanted attention from men that creeped me out that then I just was like, well, I'm going to do whatever I can to now not get attention from the opposite sex. And so I just, mm-hmm. you know, I'd wear baggy clothes and, you know, just not wanting to receive creepy attention, which then blocked out attention from anyone. And yet in the event that someone attractive, you know, had looked in my way, like I would have just thought that it was a fluke, you know, like I just, there was no believing that I was actually worthy of a cool person's attention and um yeah yeah and so I think you mentioned that the way for you to kind of feel more comfortable unwind is you would kind of drink yeah so yeah when I was younger um it was just easier for me to let my guard down and I was a drink to get drunk you know we're talking early 20s and we'd go out to bars and you know then I would you know, I didn't like to dance sober, but when I was drunk, it was like, oh yeah, dancing. And then like dancing with a guy and all of a sudden we're making out on the dance floor. And I was like, who am I? But this is fun. Um, and I potentially had had my eye on a guy for a while that like lived in the neighborhood and I'd watch him and I'd watch him. And, you know, being that I was then drunk and it was at night, I felt more comfortable, you know, approaching him. And the only way that at the time I knew how to, you know, one, let a guy know I liked him or connect with him was to actually sleep with him. And so, you know, I bring him over and, you know, we'd hook up and, and then I'd be like, oh, I like him. But that was just kind of it because he was just wanting to have sex. And 
that was kind of my track record. Right. And you mentioned too, that in that there was no dating, like you'd have a crush on people all the time and then somehow you guys would connect and then it would just move really fast. Right. I mean, some of them, it just only happened a few times. There was a guy that I dated for a hot second. He was out of town, which I think made it safe. And this is when, you know, listening to you talk about avoidant, I wonder if, you know, my backup attachment is avoidant in that he was amazing. And he was like, you know, when I get out of college, we're going to be together. And, you know, like he wanted to spend his life with me and I had never received attention like that. And so I completely pushed him away and was like, Whoa, I'm not worthy of this. Like you like me, why would you like me? And Mm -hmm. um, so then I went basically chased every guy that wasn't that. Yeah. Well, a little tip here too, which is really interesting, is that um, because anxious people are so used to feeling anxious and liking avoidant guys who make us feel that like kind of people think of it as butterflies sometimes when it's actually our anxiety, you know, we tend to push away secure guys because we either find them boring or too nice or their consistency is not as exciting or interesting. And so anxious people or secure people can make us avoidant in that regard. Our attachment styles are actually on a spectrum. So like, even though your core style is anxious, certain people can make you feel more avoidant. And that's a situation where I used to do the same thing. I'd push away all the nice guys who wanted me because I was like, well, you're boring or, and I didn't know what it was about. Even my own husband, I broke up with him after a month because he was so consistent and available and it kind of freaked me out. And seven months later, I was like, um, do you want to have dinner? But I had learned so much in those seven months and realized what I was doing, you know? So going back to your twenties, obviously you've evolved a lot since then. You've really, I know, worked on yourself and your self-worth and like, you know, even just, you were telling me about a recent situation with a guy where you could feel he was moving too fast physically or kind of making it more about physicality and you communicated like, that's not really what I'm looking for. And like you said, it like took a lot for you to really like make that clear to him. Right. I want to encourage you to keep on that path. You know, I know that I used to get really defensive when people told me to go slow with guys or to not have sex because I was like, I'm a 21st century woman. I can have sex if I want, you know, like, um, and I felt like slut shamed for it sometimes. And so that was kind of my defense against it was like, fuck you, I'll have sex when I want to have sex, you know, which is like, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having sex when we want to have sex. It's more just kind of knowing what risk you're taking because of who you are and how you attach to people, you know? So it's definitely not a like, don't do this or do this, you know, but filling in the gap of like, well, if I do this, I'm not just getting attached, but I'm missing out on seeing who they really are to determine if there's someone I feel safe attaching to, you know? Um, Because the idea is that we're always going to feel triggered throughout our lives at different points. So someone who you decide is the quote unquote right guy for you or who you feel generally safe with might trigger you at some point. The test is, are they responsive to me when I express that? Or when I need reassurance, are they willing to give it to me? And that is the true test of if someone is secure and right for you is that when you communicate with them how you're feeling or what you need, they make you feel better. They're willing to reassure you. They're willing to say, those feelings are valid. I'm not going anywhere. You know, Um, I mean, it's as simple as like sometimes if I do something and I think my husband, who I feel mostly secure with, he's secure, like I've become more secure being with him. 
uh, which is totally possible. But like, even so, I have an anxious attachment style. And so sometimes, like, I might say something and wonder if he's mad at me. And so I'll just be like, are you mad at me right now? And he'll be like, no, you're fine. Move on. But I need that. Like, he's not, he's not judging me. He's willing to say like, no, we're good, you know, and then it like calms me and I'm fine, you know, or if he is mad at me, he'll tell me and we'll talk about it, you know. Um, but it's that I feel comfortable enough to ask that to begin with you know, to be transparent in that way, which obviously takes time and getting to know someone, you know, um, and it can be a little trickier navigating that in earlier relationships. But that's why seeing like little by little each conversation, each, each situation, when you have an issue, each, like I always say each situation is an opportunity to learn more about who they are and their attachment style and if they're able to give you what you need even if it seems small. So that's one thing, just getting used to bringing that stuff up, you know? Do you have any questions or thoughts on any of that? Yeah, no, I mean, that all resonates in that I made a pact with myself that I wasn't going to sleep with anyone new until I knew that we were officially dating and like even monogamous, but it hasn't stopped me from having some really great makeout sessions. And I'm aware that that probably grays things, even though there's not like penis vagina sex, you know, like we're still being intimate with each other. And so it still confuses things. It doesn't mean you can't have a makeout session with someone. Um, that's pretty normal, especially by second, third date. Right. So, and like, I'm certainly not saying like be a nun and don't have fun. Um, <laughs> but the important thing, <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a bumper, bumper sticker or something, you know? Um, but it's more paying attention to, are they trying to take me out? Are they trying to see what I want to do, what I like? Are they paying attention to if I'm hot or cold or need a jacket or, you know what I mean? Like it's assessing how in tune they are with your needs and if they're willing to do the things you want to do. So in the beginning, I highly recommend not going to each other's houses because that makes it really easy to set the tone for physical intimacy, right? So at, at least the first few dates, I do encourage you to go out of the house. And that can look like anything that's out of the house, right? Obviously with COVID, there's some situations, but we're opening back up. So hopefully, you know, even if it's a hike or whatever. Now, if you make out when you're on the hike a little bit, but that's also accompanied by really good conversation and him treating you well the whole time, that's okay. It's when it becomes the focus. I know you had mentioned in the past, you had relationships where it would just end up being when they happen to be by your house, they'd stop by or they'd call you and say, I'm close by, they'll come hang out. And then you're just making out of the house. Right. And that that would kind of be the MO and the pattern that would be created. Right. So that's kind of the thing to pay attention to is like, especially if they're just calling you anytime they're close by, but not setting dates. That's another example of it. And so it's like, again, going back to this kind of like, as a single person, that used to be the kind of, I don't know, story I would tell myself sometimes, which is like, they're spontaneous, you know? I don't need to be rigid and be taken out on fancy dates, you know? But it's like, not about that. It's about you assessing, are they putting an effort for me? Are they making me feel worthwhile? Are they making me feel good? Does that make sense? 
Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. A new tactic that I had picked up a few years ago in going on, you know, a blind date or an internet date was just like, you know, I was too hyper-focused on like, is he the one? And I had to like break back a little and like, all right, let's just like break it down to would I want to hang out with this guy again? Like, yeah. is there even a friendship there that we have something to talk about the next time we hang out, whether I want to kiss him or not? Because at the end of the day, like, to me, the most important thing is that we're friends, if not best friends. and you know, because everything comes and goes throughout the relationship. But if we've got a solid friendship and so, you know, a guy I was dating right before COVID, like there was a comfort there, but we didn't have a lot in common that after a while I was just like, this isn't working for me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? And it also felt like it was more physical for him. And I even had him take the five love languages quiz just to see, you know, where we balance each other out. And, you know, so that was interesting. And so, you know, a current guy in my life who has just been the ultimate test in that, you know, he is someone that like is truly amazing. And yes, I want him in my life and he could just be a great friend. And yet, you know, we did have a couple of makeout sessions and it was awesome. And he was very clear that right now he doesn't have time to focus on a relationship because he has other things going on, which I respect. And he respected that I was wanting something more than casual. And it was great. It was a great, healthy conversation, which I never would have had before in the past because of fear of how, what they would think. And I don't want to disrupt them. And, you mm -hmm. know, so it was the first time that I was actually standing in my power of just like, this is what I want. You either meet me where I'm at or, you know, it was nice knowing you. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's exactly how I would encourage you to approach all of them. And the friendship piece is important. And that's part of it all of like, it actually should feel easy for the most part. Because when you have the friendship piece, because if you think about it, you know, when we make friends, we're not preoccupied with where it's going, right? Like, we're very present focused with our friends. Do we like hanging out with them? Like, we don't think about the next time. We're just thinking about this time. And so it naturally falls into place that we start hanging out with them. We feel comfortable. And then maybe if we're good friends, we'll be able to voice our concern. And if they can respond to it well, then the friendship will continue, you know? So it's the same concept of like, yeah, you need to have that baseline, like, I like you, I like hanging out with you, I like how you make me feel, you know, it doesn't matter where it's going yet, do I just want to see you again? And then as that progresses and you feel comfortable, then things start coming up that you're like, I don't know how this person's feeling or do they like me or whatever the situation is. And that's when you start kind of slowly communicating, you know, um, like let's say you're making plans and they're not responding or whatever the case is, that's when you start saying like, you know, do you still want to hang out and see how they respond? And do they make you feel like you can ask that question? You know, um, are they responsive to you when you reach out to them? You know, that's when it kind of starts coming up, but you do want it to feel easy. And then kind of going back to the intuition piece that you mentioned. So something I find really interesting and helpful is this idea that, you know, at least all my life, whenever I realized I liked a guy is when I would start feeling anxious. Like I would be a boss on the first few dates when I didn't care, when I had nothing to lose, you know? But then the moment it would hit me that I liked them is when anxiety would come up and I would start questioning myself, you know, and how to act and what to do. And I always thought that there was something wrong with me, like that, that I would start getting this anxiety. And looking back, I now understand that our anxiety is actually 
it's called an emotional guidance system. I got that phrase from this book, Ask and It Is Given. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of that book before, but they talk about that our emotions are our guidance system and they let us know how we're feeling and what we need to do to feel safe, essentially. And so our anxiety is part of our emotional guidance system, meaning it's actually alerting us when we don't feel comfortable. And so like, if you're in a situation with a guy and you start not feeling comfortable and you start getting anxiety, that's actually your intuition saying like, you don't feel safe right now. You don't feel comfortable, you know? And when that happens, either you can A, soothe yourself the way that maybe a secure person would, or actually avoidant people do that too, where they say like, no, you're good. Like, you're cool. You don't need them for this. Like, there's no reason why they wouldn't like you. They're probably just busy or whatever the case may be, whatever calms you down, right? Or you go to them for that, right? And so like when we're having anxiety, it's like, I guess not, I find that a lot of anxiously attached people want to deny the anxiety or like say like, I just want to get over the anxiety. I don't want to feel it anymore, you know? But it's actually a really important piece in our own intuition of knowing how we feel. Because if we're feeling anxious, then it usually means there's some kind of information or unanswered question that we have for the person. Where if we don't know how they feel, for instance, then we start assuming or telling ourselves a story or filling in the gaps, you know, when really what needs to happen is for us to ask them where they're at. Um, yeah, it's interesting because when you started talking about anxiety, I wouldn't necessarily consider myself an anxious person, but looking at how I've shown up in past relationships and dating guys and being in that space of like, I wonder if he likes me and just like needing that reassurance or going down a Instagram spiral to see, you know, <laughs> commenting on his photos, like whatever that, yeah. I mean, I had a full on, you know, trigger not too long ago of, you know, not feeling safe and yet he can do whatever he wants on Instagram. Like it's a crush right now, you know, and, mm -hmm. um, you know, but to definitely trust that. And, you know, in regards to this guy, like the funny thing is, is that, you know, there's that part of me that is so fearful that one, this amazing guy is going to show up in my life. And yet back to you confirming what I said about, you know, genuine, like I'm, I'm going to doubt his, I fear that I'm going to doubt his intentions and that, mm -hmm. um, He's not genuine and, and then fear that I'll push him away. And yet, so it's easier to have this, these inconsistencies. And, um, and to the point of this guy who I think is amazing, I then also was disregarding that he actually has two non-negotiables for me, but I was, everything else was so great that I was willing to look the other way. And I thought it was so interesting because I remember someone saying that like, men are so good with their non-negotiables. It's kind of like, oh, no. Like, and women are always trying to justify away the non-negotiation. Mm -hmm. Oh, mm -hmm. well, you know, he smokes. Well, that's his choice, not my body. But it's like, no, but I don't want to be with someone who smokes. Why am I allowing myself to fall for someone who smokes? Right. And you deny it now and like, you know, 10 or 20 years down the line, I mean, hell, even like two years down the line, it's going to be so annoying and you're going to feel frustrated, you know? And so, yeah, it's really hard, I think, to, like you were saying, believe that someone better is going to come along. So it's the idea of settling, which is also something that comes from self-worth a lot, you know, but I do want to point out, think of all the secure people, maybe you've been pushing away all this time who are probably really awesome partners. 
you know, who are just like a whole other well of people who you haven't been giving attention to. So there's that in terms of the hope, you know. I also say a lot that dating is like vintage shopping. You have to weed through a lot of old shit before you can find the hidden gem. Um, And I mean old shit in the nicest way possible uh, in terms of just like everyone has their shit. Everyone has their stuff they've been through, you know? And especially if you're on a dating app, there's a lot of people who you're going to not relate to or not going to be right for you. But that doesn't mean that that person doesn't exist. I mean, I met my husband on Tinder. Who would have fucking thought that would be the case, (laughs) you know, Um, like the ultimate hookup app. But I did. And I think that when you know what to look for, and so going back to like the fear of yours that like, I'm not going to be able to do it, or what what was it you said? I'm not going to be ready, or I'm going to push them away. Yeah, it's fear that, I mean, hopefully it's gone. But for the longest time, it was that I had, you know, my, on my vision board of what I'm looking for, but that he's too good to be true. And so then when I think I see him, and he actually shows up, I'm not going to believe that he actually wants me for me, because I've only thought that men ever wanted me for my body. Right, right. Okay. And so looking at that and just kind of breaking that down into, that's a really big overall concept, right? Like that feeds into anxiety in that it's fear-based, right? And so fear and anxiety kind of can feel overwhelming and we focus on this kind of grand idea. That's what paralyzes and keeps us afraid. And so if you can break that down into each interaction with him, because Intimacy is present focused, meaning that true connection happens in the present moment when both people are present and connected with each other. And so the only way to really determine the outcome of a relationship is to pay attention to what's happening now. So that means that like every interaction to set plans, every text, every call, all of that is giving you information about who they are to help you feel in control of what you think about them you know? And so it's kind of like that consistency piece is really important because basically knowing like kind of just taking it off the table that you're going to know if they're the one, you know, like you were talking about like going on dates. I remember being at bars and thinking like, am I going to find my husband tonight? You know, like, is he going to be the one? And the truth is like, it's really hard to know. First of all, love at first sight, like the percentage of people who fall in love at first sight is like, 5% of the population of the world. It's so rare. So just like almost accepting, like, I'm not going to know if this person is my person for a while. And then as you get to know them, it's like, if your anxiety creeps up or you're triggered or that fear that you're talking about, it's like, how are they going to help you deal with that? Do you know what I mean? So it's kind of this idea that you kind of have to risk the vulnerability and the and the trusting someone to see if they can trust you, but you use like low risk situations to do it. So you don't share everything about your heart and put yourself all out there all at once, right? It's like in each situation that you feel a little fear come up, the question is like, is there a way for me to communicate this to them or do something so that I get reassurance from them? And if they can respond to that, that's what slowly builds the trust. And over time, that fear of are they genuine starts to go away because you have more proof that they are genuine than they aren't. And the shitty thing is, of course, if you take that little step of trust or vulnerability and they don't respond to you in a way you want, which sucks in the moment, but like 
especially I think at your place that you are in your life and how self-aware you are, it's like you more quickly start to realize this person's going to waste my time because they're not responding to me in a way that makes me feel good, you know, because truly the right, like amazing person for you. It's amazing how it feels when you like express something to them and they make you feel so much better. Like that's the kind of person you really want to be with at the end of the day, you know, it's like you have a fear or something and you share it and they actually totally get rid of it and make you feel better. And each time that happens, it's so reaffirming that this is my person, you know? And um, I know when we haven't had that, it's hard to imagine. Um, but like truly it's all those little things that are going to build that trust and, and to just like not be afraid of your fear because your fear is actually what's going to help you determine if you can trust them, if they can be with you in a moment of fear, which I know sounds so counterintuitive and weird um, and like not that fun. Um, <laughs> but like um, that's really what builds more closeness is, you know, closeness breeds more closeness. So when you're vulnerable and that person responds well, it actually makes you closer and willing to do it more the next time you know? So it's going back to the intuition of like trusting your anxiety as your intuition, letting you know, like, I'm safe. I'm not safe. I'm comfortable. I'm not comfortable. And letting that be your guide. Yeah. And you know, while you were saying all that, thank you for that. Um, I was reminded that, you know, I spent so much of my life, one, not trusting anyone, but mostly not trusting men. And I realized that that thought isn't serving me. It's not helping me. If, mm -hmm. if I come in to a situation where I'm already assuming that the guy I'm talking to is lying, whether it's a friend or not, or someone I'm dating, that I was like, all right, let's go in assuming they're actually all honest and genuine and then let them prove that wrong. Like, yeah, because if you're going in assuming that they're going to break your heart and that they're going to leave you for another woman and that they just want to, you know, get in your pants, they're going to keep proving that to you if that's all you're looking for. And so that 100%. and just like, all right, let's assume, you know, innocent until proven guilty. Absolutely. Uh, which especially when we have trust issues is so hard to do, but that is actually a mark of a secure person. Secure people tend to give people the benefit of the doubt and to be a little more forgiving. Of course, there's a line, right? Like if you've betrayed my trust X amount of times, well then, no, you know, like it's not okay anymore. But again, like you said, innocent until proven guilty. I think it's really important when we have trust issues because that, that's how you build the trust. And I would also add to that, trusting yourself. And it's similar in the way we trust ourselves because the way that we build our own confidence and trust with ourselves is in the same way that we need them to be consistent. It's when we are consistent with ourselves and we follow through on things we say we're gonna do or not do for ourselves. So like, for instance, if I would say like, I don't want to sleep with this person early on, and then I bring them back the first night, then I'm not building that confidence with myself. I'm not, I'm not strengthening my ability to trust my own judgment, you know, and my own boundaries. And so like, at the very least, whether or not you trust them, start with following through on what you want to do. So if you know that this person's non-negotiables are things that you just can't get past, you know, that is a good exercise in trust with yourself of not continuing to see them, you know, um, which I know is not <laughs> easy. Uh, Painful. I mean, like I said, I am literally being tested right now in
you know, just, I energetically said goodbye to him. I thanked him for showing up in my life to show me that a man like him does exist. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I just, every so often I think back of like how much fun we did have the few times we hung out and make out session or not, like just the connection that was there. And so I just have to, you know, keep the faith that, you know, it's just the universe acknowledging that I am that much closer to what I'm asking for and just be patient a little bit longer and testing me to see if I actually think I'm worthy of what it is I'm trying to call in because I could easily just call him and be like, fuck it. You know, I want to see you and you know. Yeah. Do you know Lacey Phillips at all? Oh yeah. Yeah. She talked a lot about that. Um, about in manifesting that the universe will test us once we've decided we want something, they'll send us. And I swear, I mean, when I was building my business, I had had no work because of the pandemic and I started building my business. And then I swear in one week, like I think it was maybe the week that I like launched my website or something crazy like that, you know, that I got offers from like all the different areas of work I'd done that week, I got like three or four different offers. And I was like, yup. And Lacey talks about how each time that happens, the more that you say no to the test, the more it strengthens your like, you know, telling the universe, this is what I want, you know? Um, Also, is there anyone else in your life, whether it's romantic or not, who you think, like, whether it's friends or family members or just people you know, who are really cool guys, who you know exist? Um, yeah, I mean, I have, I have a guy friend and another guy friend who passed away that they've kind of been my, like, not my benchmark, but like, how they treated me and like how fond they were of me. I kind of told myself like, all right, (laughs) everyone has to be able to compete. They're competing with those two guys. Like what they would do to have me in their life, you know, for whatever crushes they had on me, but I wasn't interested in that. And so just using them as, I mean, not as my expanders, but just to show me like what a guy, when he genuinely likes me, what he will do to, you know, just show up. Yeah, exactly. That That is exactly what I'm talking about, that you won't take anyone who treats you less than those guys treated you, you know? And as a reminder that people like that do exist. So when you find yourself feeling like, oh, I should settle for this guy because there's no one else out there, like let your brain go to, nope, I know there are cool guys out there because these guys exist. And so I know there must be others. So really, you know, in the last few years, it's really been about what's at the root of like what I've been resisting and calling him in and that, you know, like I'm an incredible manifester and I can manifest the crap out of anything. And I'll say this, anything except for this man, because parking karma, I've got it. My friends will tap into my parking karma. (laughs) Um, You know, and they tell me it works. All they have to do is say my name and then, you know, and she sends me husband karma. (laughs) I love that. You know, so I think it's also just like, trying to get to the root of like what that thought is that was keeping him away because it's quite possible he's been in my life for the last 10 years and I've just been blinded to who he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not been worthy of, not thinking that I was worthy of his love. And so therefore it was just like, oh, that guy, you know. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of times anxious people don't know how to receive love and we don't like, yeah, it's, it's trust and it's being able to relax into like, oh, this feels good and this is what it should feel like. Like the worthiness factor is real, but it's almost like, like 
I don't know if you ever had this. Well, I guess you kind of, those guys are your examples, but I remember there being, when I look over my life, a few different guys who were super into me and really nice and I had no interest, but I also felt like they're friends and they're treating me this way because they're a friend. But I never expected a romantic partner to treat me that way for some reason. I never made the connection that I should have a romantic partner treat me as nicely as my friends treating me, you know? And, and we're much more willing to let our friends be good to us than we are to let romantic partners be good to us, you know? Yeah, it's just very interesting. It's almost uncomfortable at first, I think. So when you say like, yeah, there are probably maybe guys who've been in your life for 10 years, it's almost like kind of looking through and like, who are the people who actually jolted me because they were treating me so well? Like I have this one client who owns a plant store and she said this guy came in who was really cute and stuff, but who was just really nice to her that it weirded her out. Like she couldn't find her phone when he was there and he was helping her look for it. And he was going to get a coffee for himself. And he's like, do you want anything? And he brought a coffee back to her. And like, they had literally met that day and she was just remarking at it. And I was like, keep him in your mind because that kind of sense of like, I can't believe he's being so nice to me is what you want to feel, you know, that they're like kind of breaking the level of your expectations they're kind of taking your standards to a new level. That's how magical and amazing it should feel to you. So then when you compare it to people who are kind of giving you breadcrumbs, like you just can see side by side, like especially if you're dating multiple people at once, you see by by, side by side, who's making me feel like I'm a fucking queen right now, that it's like blowing my mind, who's going out of their way for me, and who's like giving me the breadcrumb of saying yo when they text me. You know, it just becomes really obvious when you can see people side by side like that and compare them. So yeah, I would go back through like, who are people who stand out to you as having treated you really, really well in your past? And, you know, if you're a manifester too, I'm sure you're familiar with this idea that oftentimes when people manifest, they manifest through vision boards, like you've talked about and visually, and there's a lot of focus sometimes, especially when we're manifesting men or a partner on what they're going to be like, what we want them to be like, right? We want them to be funny and smart and family oriented and tall and et cetera, et cetera. And there's very little I find people manifesting how they wanna be treated. Like it's almost like we don't put ourselves, I don't know if you can relate to this. I actually, well, just with the laws of attraction, I tap into how I wanna feel when we're together. Yes, So like exactly. I have this like, imaginary boyfriend that lives with me and I'll wake up and he's like, <laughs> making me breakfast, you know, like I just tap into that feeling of like, we're already in each other's lives. Yes. Um, Keep doing that. I'll add that component of how he treats me and just watching how he shows up. Yeah. So that when someone's treating you well, you can be like, I know this feeling. I recognize it. I felt it in my manifestations. You know, do you feel like I've answered some of your outstanding questions? It's always great just talking it through and just, you know, being reminded of the little things. Like, yes, my brain wants to tell me like how fun it was with this last guy. And yet it's like, nope, stay on track, stay on track. Like don't veer off because it's just going to take you that much longer. Like he's telling you and he's showing you, believe him. Like he's not Mm -hmm. saying he doesn't like me. He's just saying, I can't give you the time right now that you want. Like, And even if you said, I don't like you, that doesn't mean anything about who I am as a person. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I mentioned this on our first call, but like Louise Hay, like changed my life and just learning how to validate myself. Like you said, I was always seeking outside validation while not realizing that that's what I was doing and that I didn't want to be the center of attention. And so it's hard to be validated when you 
you know, when you have a hard time receiving compliments, when you have a hard time receiving anything, yet that's all you're doing is trying to seek, but you won't believe when they actually tell you that. I know. Um, I remember a guy that I was dating before finding Louise Hay and you know, he was one of the ones that was like, I'm driving by your house. Are you home? And we reconnected for a hot second after I read Louise Hay. And I remember sitting on my couch and him looking at me and being just saying like, God, you're beautiful. You know, he had the smile on his face first. And I was like, what? And he's like, you're just so beautiful. And it was the first time that because I then knew how to validate myself and realized what a great catch I was and that I was attractive. I actually believed him and was able to hear it from a place of, oh, he's actually saying it because he wants to say it, not because he feels the need to say it. Or like, I actually felt his genuine, you know, his sincerity in making that comment. And so it felt good. I just remember being in that space of just like, huh, I know it and he knows it, but I didn't need to hear that from him at that point because knowing it myself was enough. It was just Mm -hmm. the cherry on top hearing him say something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, so that just validating myself and then, you know, something that came up earlier when you were saying so along the lines of my dad having a wandering eye my mom knew about his infidelities and so I remember at one point having a conversation with her of like why did you stay because so here are the two examples uh, you know in my household of someone who's got one foot in one foot out and another person who's not afraid but like just doesn't even consider that it's an option to leave because he was just Mm. so awesome and so for so long I had a fear not knowing this information that God forbid I was in an unhealthy relationship that I wouldn't have the power and the voice to be able to say, this isn't working for me. And so, you know, it's been a few years and I've done the work on myself that I'm like, Oh no, I found my voice. If something's not working, I will let them know. But just to be mindful that like, those were the two people who were raising me of like, Oh, you know, I'm settling because everyone loves him. So I'll just keep him in my life. Like when I asked her, she was like, it never occurred to me to leave him. Um, Mm -hmm. so she's acknowledged now that, you know, she was settling by staying with him. And so I think that's why I've spent a fair amount of my life. It's funny because I say I spent a fair amount of my life single. And even though I've chased these unavailable men, emotionally unavailable, I will say that I won't settle, (laughs) you know, but there was a part of me that was, I guess, settling for the hot second that I was, had them in my life. And yet when it comes to actually like a relationship, I'm like, no. Well, and also think about people who marry the person they're settling for, like your mom. And plenty of people, I think also just in our culture, this idealization of marriage and people think they need it to check it off their to-do list and they get married young when they haven't found their self-worth yet and they don't know all these things about themselves, you know? And I think that you did have the wherewithal and the intuition to say, that's going too far for me. I will entertain this. And maybe I'm settling in this moment, but I think knowing in the back of your mind that marriage or, you know, lifetime partnership or whatever you are comfortable with in that regard, whoever's going to be my life partner, I know there have to be a different standard for me to actually marry them or settle down with them, you know? So like, thank your lucky stars for that. Um, And, and like, know that that's kind of your deeper intuition that you can trust that you ultimately do know what's good for you, you know? And to keep that in the back of your mind or really at the forefront of your mind to guide you of like, I haven't settled and I'm not going to now, you know, you haven't waited all this time just to settle for someone, Damn straight. (laughs) (laughs) you know, (laughs) so, you know, you are worthy. And I love that you, I mean, that 
that validation piece is so important and to be able to do it daily. Like it sounds like you do like to have the, anytime something comes up or we're not sure to be able to validate ourselves is half the battle. You know, that's the part of the healing from all that self-worth damage that has been done so many years prior, you know? And I, you know, the interesting thing about relationship work is that, you know, I work with all these really self-aware spiritual people who in and of themselves have learned to validate themselves and learn to, you know, be more confident and aware, but then they're like, but then I'm in a relationship or something happens and I feel like all my tools go out the window and I don't know why I thought I was further along than this. And so I like to remind people that relationships are like a Venn diagram, right? Like you have the piece of you that you can control, but like the piece of them you can't control. And so what the middle looks like is dependent on both of you. You know, we don't have full control. So even if we are at this like wonderful space in ourselves, like all of that is prep work for when you're in the relationship that you can deal with it. But like it takes two people to make it a healthy relationship. It's not all on you. And so, yes, keep validating yourself. But like, are you able to do that in the context of a relationship now? Like that's kind of the next piece. Like you've already done the prep work. So now like you keep saying, I'm going to call in this guy. Like, I think you are. But it's a matter of, are you going to be able to identify him? And are you going to be able to continue to try to validate yourself in that or allow him to reassure you? Because that's kind of a funky piece there of, we do want to validate ourselves, but the reality is, especially if we have any anxious attachment, is that on a certain level, we need the reassurance or outward validation from someone else too. Now we can continue to try to validate ourselves, but I don't want you to think of it as like wrong or unhealthy or I'm backtracking because you need the reassurance. That's just a natural biological piece of you now. And the right person who's secure will be able to give that to you. And there's nothing to be ashamed of in needing that. Again, that's the difference between doing our own self-work and a relationship is that there's a chemical reaction and as far along as we are, we're still going to get anxious because that's just the nature of the game. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. I mean, I, and I think honestly, when I have to, when I feel the need to validate myself is more when I'm feeling down and low or like I'm not worthy of someone um, or feeling triggered by something that then I have feel like I, you know, remind mm -hmm. myself like how awesome I am and that, you know, when this guy does show up, it really feels like just in the way that he's showing up, I'm just going to know. Like, it's just, an, you know, I'm claircognizant. So it's just an inner knowing of how he feels. And um, whether he's validating it or not, you know, one of my main love languages is quality of time. And so just spending time with him and knowing that he's fully present, like that will, that's it. Like I'm done. You've got my attention, you know? And like, and I can feel that you genuinely would just want to be here hanging out with me. And so, um, I don't, rarely do I find myself validating myself when I'm feeling good. Cause I'm already feeling good. Like I don't need to be reminded how awesome I am because I'm already in that flow of just like, life's awesome. Yeah. It's when they trigger you like validating yourself when you're feeling low in terms of being worthy of their attention, I think is great. And, but so then when though, like they're not responding to you, if you start getting in your head again, 
that's when, okay, validate myself, validate myself, start there. But if you still feel anxious, that's when, if you're in a relationship with them, it's like, okay, what do I need from them to feel reassured right now? That that's that next piece of if the self-soothing or self-validation isn't working and you still feel triggered or whatever, or the trust isn't there, that is literally because they need to fill in that gap for you to feel like you can trust them, you know? That makes sense. I Yeah. And I think, you know, you mentioned Brene Brown and I've definitely been working on my vulnerability and speaking up for myself that I do, you know, just reflecting on the conversation I had with the guy who's not available. Like the fact that I was able to speak up for myself, I think it'll be a lot easier for me in the event that I do feel called to ask for something from my partner Mm -hmm. and just, you know, like I feel this when you... (laughs) Will you exactly. just, you know, to comfort me, you know, like, I think I can do that and still feel safe because we will have built a connection that just, you know, I won't feel like there's anything wrong with me for asking for that. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And it is taking that little risk of, I don't know how you're going to respond right now, but if you respond badly, then you're lame. And if you respond well, then we'll be closer. So great. You know, I'd rather know sooner than later in regards to everything anyways. Exactly. And also going back to what you were just saying about, you know, quality time and that when someone's really with you, you have that clear cognizance that they're being genuine. Trust that, you know, going back to the trust piece. And if they're making you feel that way, then that's a good indication. Okay. I trust them for now. You know, like it doesn't mean I trust you forever and I'm going to tell you everything in my life, but I'm going to trust you right now. And then the more we continue on, do you continue to make me feel this way? Yeah. I just was reminded of Brene Brown and her daughter's marble jar, whatever, the candy jar. I don't know where it's, you know, like you got to, you got to earn the people in your corner. The people have to earn a spot in your corner, you know, like who you share with. And yeah, it's not about telling them everything all at once. A hundred percent. And that will remind you of your own self-worth in the process. Because the more that we show people how to treat us, you know, we teach people how to treat us. And the more that you stick to your guns about teaching someone how you want to be treated, the more it will remind you of your own self-worth and continue to attract that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's what I tell people all the time in regards to boundaries. Like people need boundaries you know, we need to set up boundaries for others, but once there's a clear boundary, it's so much easier for other people to actually respect it. <laughs> Cause it's like, oh, I can't call you after six. Cool. Got it. You know, like it's just, it's a hard, you know, and if they can't respect your boundaries then they're not the right people for you and you anyways. <laughs> Absolutely. And if you think about it, going back to the emotionally unavailable people that you were dating, avoidant people are very good with boundaries. They're very quick to set boundaries for themselves, you know? I have too much work right now in my life. I can't hang out because of this. I, all their reasons, which like, sometimes you're like, oh my God, you know, but it's like, that's the they, difference. Are they boundaries or are they just avoiding feeling anything? They are absolutely avoiding, uh, <laughs> but they take, they take the shape of boundaries, uh-huh. you know? Um, it, is a bo- it is a boundary, but is it a boundary that's serving them? True. Right. Um, whereas anxious people don't tend to have boundaries or want to set them. Their boundaries weren't serving me though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They really weren't serving anybody at the end of the day. Um, yeah, but I hope you were able to take some things from this. You know, if anything, maybe there's like some more clarity around, you know, the dynamics of unavailable people and yourself and kind of 
tools for as you move forward, ways of thinking that maybe can make you just feel more sure of yourself because you are on this trajectory towards, I absolutely believe manifesting the kind of person you want and you're thinking in all the right ways. It's just kind of slowing down and being willing to like continue to be vulnerable and speak up when you need to and trusting that the person you're going to trust is going to meet you there, you know? Yeah. And I think the the biggest takeaway, um, thank you for this. I think it's just, the reminder, I think now that I think about it, um, you know, my, my early makeout sessions are probably the insecurity of being that that was the only way I knew how to get the guy's attention. So if I give him a little bit, like, yes, I want it, but that doesn't mean just because I want it means we need to have a makeout session, you know? And so, um, that fear of like, oh, well, if we don't have this makeout session now, he might not call again. So let me give him a taste. Mm -hmm. He then, shows up again. Whereas, you know, whether there's the makeout session or not, if he, if he's intrigued enough, he's going to call. So like, absolutely, you know, just really not, not doing it out of like, oh, well, this is what's going to get him to stick around, but really just like do it from a place of just focusing on like, how can I build what's here without complicating it with the intimacy? Yes. And also it will provide extra reassurance to you if you don't make out and they still call, right? Because that will help remind you that you're worthy of more than just the physical part, you know? Um, And it'll remind them and it'll make them probably want it more. Also going back to that analogy you had at the beginning of the candy, or you mentioned on our pre-call, you actually use chocolate cake as the example. Can you repeat that again for me? Yeah, it's, um, it's frustrating because, you know, in regards to this last guy, and feeling that like the first time we hung out, we just went for a walk, you know, COVID walking dates. And as we were on this like three mile walk, I just was noticing like how he was ticking every box. And I was like, oh my God, the universe is like, has heard me loud and clear on what I'm calling in. And he's a smoker, but I kind of was like, oh, well he's ticking everything else. So I felt like, you know, I was explaining it to someone being that I'm, (laughs) I'm on an elimination diet right now, not eating chocolate. And it feels like, Someone is literally waving a chocolate cake in front of me and I can smell it, but I can't taste it. And it is mouthwatering that it's like, I feel like I'm that close. And yet it's so frustrating because I'm like, well, the cake is just right here. Why can't I have a bite? And so explaining it to someone, she was like, but it's not the perfect cake because he's not available right now. And he smokes like, it's like he's missing an ingredient. And so she was like, it's almost like the cake's missing chocolate. I was like, that's too big of an ingredient. It's more like what resonates now is that the cake has now just come out of the oven and it's too hot to eat. And so I need to wait to let it cool down so that I can actually enjoy it as opposed to just burning my tongue. So I love that. And the way I think of it is it's kind of the instant gratification piece, right? Of like, well, I want it right now, but it will actually taste better if I let it cool down a little. Or it'll actually taste better if I let it cool down so I can put the frosting on, you know? And so holding out for it to taste better is really the key. And so think of it that way when it comes to wanting to make out really quickly or just jump in, you know, because if that's the right person for you, they will wait. And it will be even more satisfying later on when you're more connected and when you trust them more, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's just having the trust and the faith. And the thing is, is I go back on past experiences and I've like, every time I do 
one up a little more than the previous guy. So, mm -hmm. you know, if history repeats itself, I'm going to find someone for lack of a better word, better, like more, you know, compatible with me than this current guy, because this current guy is not available. So absolutely. And I think that's a hundred percent true in my clients and in myself, I've noticed that that is usually the case that the person you're with is a little bit more aligned than the person before. So you can believe that, okay, if you got, if you found someone like him who has these two non-negotiables, but is almost perfectly aligned, man, what would happen if I held out based on this trajectory for the next person, you know, or the person after that. So, and it's funny because when you have that person finally, and you look back, you're going to be so fucking grateful that you held out and it will have, it will make you appreciate them so much more than you would have had you not had all these not really perfect people beforehand. Every day I'm grateful for my husband because he does something that no one ever has done for me before. And even if he's done it a million times, I'm constantly still shocked by it, you know, and that's what I want for all my clients. And so that's what I believe everyone can have. Yeah. So no, totally. I totally believe that in the, and you know, every day, every month, every year, like what I'm calling in changes as, you know, I start expanding and having more awareness around myself. So the guy that I would have wanted to call in five years ago is completely different than the guy that I'm calling in today. And mm -hmm. so had I, one, potentially had I met, you know, current love five years ago, I probably pushed him away or didn't even acknowledge him. If he shows up again today, I'll actually be able to see how incredible he is and then trust how he's showing up as opposed to, um, yeah, all the guys that I've been calling in, you know, up until just a few years ago. I mean, I guess still currently, but I was letting the pattern play itself out and mm -hmm. getting hurt. Whereas now I'm actually ending it, you know, and I actually was able to get to a place where, you know, I can have two feelings. I can think he's amazing. And I can think that he's not compatible for me right now. Like mm -hmm. it wasn't about like, Oh, no, like just push him away. Like, let's not think about it. It's like, he can still be a totally awesome dude and not what I'm looking for right now. Like that's okay. Mm -hmm. Totally. And I think that that like kind of black and white language of right versus wrong sometimes throws us off because we think that if someone does something we don't like, we immediately put them in the wrong category. And it's like, wait, hold up there are steps in between. Can I communicate with them? Can I see how they act over time? Like to see, are we truly aligned? There's an emotionality in between that people don't factor in sometimes of possibilities, you know, when things come up as they do, you know, we don't, like you're saying, you don't need to just push them away right away. It's like, if they have certain qualities you like, okay, well, what's the middle ground here? Is there a middle ground, you know? Yeah. Yeah, just stay focused, stay on you, keep validating yourself, and um, and don't be afraid of the fear because you will be able to deal with it in the moment when it comes up, so long as you lean into it and trust it and acknowledge it rather than try to force it away. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I guess my final question to you is like, as an anxiously attached person, I think you said my best is secure. Like who... Who would mm -hmm. be a best match with? Secure is ideal. Especially anxious and secure people actually thrive really well together because they both consciously long for closeness, whereas avoidant people kind of tell themselves they don't want closeness or they highly value their independence. And secure people aren't like that. Secure people know the value of a relationship. 
anxious people can sometimes work together, but it sometimes just creates more anxiety. But the thing is with secure people and anxious people, like me and my husband, for instance, that when you have a secure partner, they kind of can move anxious people to being more secure. Anxious people are the most likely to become more secure when they have a secure partner because the secure person is willing and able to reassure you in the moments when you need it and to be consistent in the way that you need it. So I would say give people a little more chance than you might if you feel bored by them or if you feel like they're too nice or too available lean in like to them a little more because the attraction does grow as you get to know someone who at least you have the baseline of feeling comfortable with you know in the beginning of relationships and dating sometimes people are weird they're like not themselves they're not maybe as fun or as like you know um what's the word i'm looking for like in an uninhibited as they maybe would be down the line and so it does take a little while to truly see who someone is and so if you've been dating them for like you know several dates now and you still have no interest in conversation but they're available i mean that doesn't mean continue seeing them you know <laughs> but like maybe the people who are just really treating you well and you have a good conversation with but you're like i'm not 100 percent sure i'm attracted to them those are the people who you keep going with because I really believe that when you really get to know someone, if you have chemistry, the attraction grows. And sometimes it actually takes kissing them after a while to decide that. But, um, you know, we very quickly let attraction and chemistry lead us. And that's usually our hormones and our anxiety talking. Yeah. So my recommendation is to notice, is this person following through on what they say? Are you feeling invited in? Are you feeling like they're asking you questions? You know, that's really, really important. Are they reciprocating? Are they trying to initiate? And are they following through on what they say they're going to do? And are they continuously acting in the same manner? Meaning the whole mixed messages thing, or sometimes they're like this, sometimes they're not. That's usually indicative of someone who's not secure. You know, so look for those markers. All right. Got yeah. to do. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And if you, um, I know you took my quiz, but like I have a bunch of blog posts and like emails that get sent out after that are all kind of examples of like what secure people are like. I'm actually working towards doing a course that I'm like tentatively titling the secure relationship incubator. Uh -huh. So, um, you know, look out for that. But um, thank you for hanging out today and sharing your story and with me and the listeners. I really appreciate it. Um, no, thank you. I appreciate it. It was good talking. It's good getting expert feedback. You know, sometimes it's just my friend saying, you're better than this. You know, you're better than this. But at the time I was like, but I don't know I'm better than this. You just think I'm better than this. You know? Yes. So it's believing it for yourself. Yeah. Everything takes time and patience and... Um, yeah. In the meantime, I just keep, you know, showing up authentically as myself and I will definitely practice not jumping the gun for lack of a better word. Like, you know, let's just get outside and, and play and, you know, build the chemistry. And, exactly. Yeah. Just keep manifesting. Keep believing. Don't stop believing. <laughs> I never stop believing. Good. Thank you for listening to the Truer Love Stories podcast. If you'd like to share your personal love story and have me coach you on air, please email me at hello at truerlove.com. And if you enjoyed listening to today's episode, your support would mean so much to me. 
please make sure to subscribe on Spotify as well as follow me on Instagram at underscore truerlove underscore. You can also join my mailing list and book a free love guidance consultation with me at truerlove.com. In the meantime, stay true to yourself and talk to you soon.